Lee Henson Hastie, Senior Director of Theological Education Funds Development with the Presbyterian Foundation and Committee on Theological Education. Um, and just uh, happy to be here today with my friend, uh, uh, Roger Nishioka, who's mentored me from afar for oh, a long you. time and, um, and so many others. Um, just glad to have him here from uh, Kansas City area, Village Church, uh, pra Prairie Village, as they call it. It's sort of like on the outskirts. It is. It's a yeah. suburb. It yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. And uh, with Moses behind him. Yeah. <laughs> there he is. And I'm glad to see you have books, Roger. <laughs> books, it, it's not just on your phone, right? Uh, yeah. No, not just on my phone, no. <laughs> what, are you, what are you reading lately? Um, so, oh, I just, um, well, so Abraham Kendi's um, anti-racism text is, oh, really, yeah. Yeah, is really, really good. And then there's this lovely irreverent text um, titled Eloquent Rage oh. by this African-American woman, Brittany Cooper, a black feminist discovers her superpower. And it is hilarious because <laughs> she writes um, uh, sometimes very crudely, but she writes honestly about her experience. And I can sort of hear her voice. Um, yeah. I've never met her, but she's one of the authors where it, you can hear the author speaking yeah. these words. That's so, beautiful. Eloquent Rage also is one of my readings, uh, which is, it's a quick read. It's, it's, cause you just, it's her story, which is fascinating. Uh, well, and you're such a good storyteller and stories, mm. you just communicate a lot. Um, mm. uh, I, we in promoting this, and I think most folks would say that uh, you are just an educator uh, to the core. It's who you are. It's what you're about. <laughs> but you're also—I mean—part of being an educator is you're continuing to learn, right? It's like not absolutely continue to grow and learn. Absolutely. Um, uh, some people know this, but Roger was a pastor's kid. There's hope for pastor's kids, <laughs> and. Um, and and second children uh and uh he um um i've heard you speak and write about this a couple of times that you were born i think and lived and your earliest memories are in hawaii where your path your father was serving and then all of a sudden they pick up and move to seattle which is not which a is, bad place no it's a lovely place but it's very different from Honolulu. <laughs> you don't i read somewhere like you don't go swimming on christmas eve in the ocean <laughs> that, that was that was our routine after christmas services we would all go down to the beach and we would swim and then we'd go back to the house and go to bed because we'd be tired right. and wake up and it would be Christmas. So, right. yeah. <laughs> um, he was, God bless you, because I have one just finishing uh, middle school, a middle school teacher, um, and then uh, went to, to seminary at, at um, McCormick, right? McCormick. Under Lib Caldwell. With Lib Caldwell, thanks be to God. Um, Amen. And uh, what a gift. And uh, another just educator to the core. Um, and went to Seattle uh, Pacific University for undergrad, and then uh, was serving in the National Church. And I forgot about this. Everybody remembers you in youth and young adult ministry, but you really started in curriculum. I did. Right? I was an editor. Editor in curriculum. And yes. um, taught at Columbia Seminary in this area in Christian education in the Benton Family Chair. Um, I know that family thinks so much of you uh, um, and that seminary and your students from there and just generation of folks 
uh, or more that you have uh, formed who continue to do this kind of work. Um, between you and Lib, I tell you what, uh, the church is in, in, a, in, a, in a good place uh, and have been at, I can't believe, three years now. Yeah. Um, at Village Church, just yeah. coming back into a congregational setting. And I think that's probably part of your vocational story. Like, it has to be something that makes you come alive, as Howard Thurman talked about vocation. It has to be part of your soul work. Yes. The work your soul must have, as Katie Cannon said. So what is it exactly that is your call, um, Roger? So um, my call here is Senior Associate Pastor and Director of Adult Faith Formation. So I carry the Adult Faith Formation portfolio and also have the privilege of working with my other Associate Pastor colleagues. I supervise five other Associate Pastors and then Ministry Area Directors, uh, Children and Family Ministry, Missions, etc. Um, those colleagues also work with me, and I'm privileged to be working with them. And it's a it's a great, great staff here. It's a team. It's a sense it, of team. It really, truly is. It really, truly. And is. and what is making you come alive in these these days? That's, uh, <laughs> that is feeding your soul. I love that. Thank you, thank you. I had the privilege when I taught at Columbia Seminary for all those years. Uh, Barbara Brown Taylor joined us as one of our distinguished professors, and uh, she and I were teaching a D-Min course together, which was a delight. And uh, she was getting in a car to drive over to Episcopal Church in Birmingham, and uh, I said, what are you going to talk about? And she said, you know, I don't know, but the priest just <laughs> said, just asked what you just said, said, um, Barbara, just come and tell us what's giving you life right now. And she mm -hmm. said, I'll think about that as I'm driving over. And I saw her, of course, the next week as we were teaching again. And she said it ended up being just a really lovely conversation. And I, I think in some very powerful and beautiful ways, um, that sort of becomes the Ignatian examine for us. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, where have you seen God in these days? What is giving you life right now? Um, so I think what's giving me life, because we don't have much choice, is what it means to be a congregation in the midst of this pandemic, um, what it means to be a congregation trying to be faithful in the midst of the murder of George Floyd, what it mm. means. And this is a largely um, predominantly white Afri uh, church, not an African-American church by any means, Asian-American church, where um, a little over 5,000 members, um, typical Presbyterian in many ways in that where very privileged, educated, mm -hmm. very thoughtful congregation, uh, and I'm grateful for them. Right. Uh, so Decent so and in order. There's a lot of, of decent course. in order. <laughs> of course. Although what's interesting is, and you know this, Lee, that we are so much in a post-denominational age. So uh, yeah. it, the, that whole Presbyterian, it, it doesn't mean as much to folks. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe some are saying that's actually a good thing, that the Holy Spirit is leading right. us into a new ecumenicity. Um, but um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, the decently in order, I've, I've referred to that and referred to the frozen chosen and I get blank stares, even from my <laughs> church officers, because that just isn't their experience. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. But I'm grateful to be here. So thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, well, I know I'm so glad you are in a congregational setting and I think that will be instructive. I hope you write about it uh, oh, now or you. later. I think and reflecting on uh, what you're doing and how you're thinking. And theoretic, theoretically, I, uh, um, you mentioned Columbia Seminary and some things that happened there. I read a story about 
um, I, I don't know what the class was, but you had a ritual where you would take a stone and you would write down the name of a teacher and you would drop that stone maybe in a baptismal font or something and watch the ripples and your name, uh, at least that you wrote about each time was, was a ruling elder from Japanese Presbyterian church named, uh, who was a Boeing engineer, Ted Umoto. Yes. Um, who I love the way you phrase it is that he was able to see, you know, you, at, you were an assistant middle school teacher with him right. as a senior in high school. Right. And he was able to see something in you that you did not, I'm just paraphrasing, that you did not see. No, that's exactly yourself. right. That's exactly and, right. Um, I, I think that, that those kind of, uh, that, so the ways you write, I'm, I'm quoting, by the way, friends from this book, I give away, it's called Mentoring Biblical Theological and Past Practical Perspectives, uh, edited by Dean Thompson and Cam Murchison. So I guess you were on faculty with Cam. I was. He was Dean, and um, just a beautiful, beautiful, you and Melva Lowry, I think, write this uh -huh. essay together where you talk about this, and Milva's an African-American student of mine at the time, and, and I talked to Cam about it and thought, you know, if I'm doing a mentoring chapter with young adults, wouldn't it be good if there was a young adult who actually wrote this with me? And, <laughs> right. and we had a great time. So you hear Melva's voice, but also right. my voice yeah. in tandem in conversation. It's, it, it's really beautiful. And it helps, I think it, it speaks to what, and it echoes what you're saying right now is, um, I always, and I often hear you speak, from your particular context where you are. That's what you know. It's not like you can just duplicate this everywhere. Absolutely. Things in the essay and probably some things you're doing now, that's what we're hoping in congregational faith formation, that our principles, as Frank Yamada said a couple of weeks ago with the new standards for theological schools, some principles that can be applied and be would spark some imagination. We have, I know, uh, Rebecca Mazzoli from Pennsylvania, and I saw Anna Pickney Strait from oh. Virginia. Do you know Anna? Yeah, I do. Yeah, she's awesome. Heather Cassiano, um, I'm not sure where from, but glad to have you uh, with us. Um, so uh, what is it that's happening in your congregation during this time that's been, you know, people say, I don't want to get rid of the of the birthday parades, you know, you know, that come by, you know, in the pandemic friendly way. Right, Are there some right. things maybe happening in faith formation at Village Church that you hope that continue um, and that you're, or things you're learning? Nice, nice, nice. Um, so um, one thing that we're talking about a lot is uh, the difference between disruption and interruption. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I keep on hearing my staff colleagues in our, we just had session meeting on Monday. My head of staff, senior pastor, Tom R., my good friend, is on vacation. And so I moderated, of course, as senior associate pastor. And I was talking to the session about interruption versus disruption. And interruption mm -hmm. means that we're going along and something happens and mm -hmm. we stop and we have to change. That right. certainly is what's happening now. But then the assumption is on the other side of that, we just go right back to where we were. That's an interruption. Right. It's temporary, and it often has very little, if any, effect it's, on the other side. It's kind of like a pause button. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great mm -hmm. illustration. Mm -hmm. And so when I hear my staff colleagues or our leadership say, well, when we get back to normal, when we get on the other side of this, and there will be, by the grace of God, an other side of this <laughs> pandemic, 
<laughs> I know. Um, but, but that language back to normal, et cetera, mm -hmm. that thinks about interruption. The claim about a disruption is it changes us. Mm -hmm. And I'm arguing with my staff and with my uh, leadership that this is a disruption. And if it's a disruption, then our job is to pay attention to how we will be changed. Mm -hmm. And I think pedagogy is changing during this time. I think worship is changing. I think mm -hmm. spiritual and faith formation is changing. And so on the other side of this, whatever that means, um, we're going to be a different people and, and we're going to be changed and transformed. So think less about interruption and think less about language like when we get back to um, mm -hmm. and more about language like when we get to the other side and we are changed in this way. Because there are things that are clearly going to continue for us. Right. Right. So is it noticing is the invitation to the session and to the teams that you work with to begin to notice yep. and name those disruptions? And, exactly. And, mm -hmm. exactly. Uh -huh. so, so what are some of the substantive things that are happening for us? So, uh, so again, my portfolio is adult faith formation, which is lovely because um, <laughs> my work has always been in youth and young adult ministry. That was my research. My dissertation was on youth and young adults, etc. Um, so in some lovely ways, once <laughs> some of my colleagues at Columbia got over the fact that I was leaving and, and to a, going to a congregation in Kansas, of all places, which wasn't my expectation either, which is evidence the Lord calls you to places right, you don't right. expect to be called. Um, you could be a middle school teacher. Absolutely. <laughs> you never know. You didn't see that coming either. Didn't, absolutely. Didn't see it coming. Um, um, but one of the whole ideas that we're talking about here is that the nature of adult faith formation is shifting and changing. There are some principles, right? We know this. Mm -hmm. um, uh, in terms of the whole George Floyd conversation, we, have a, we put up a banner in front of our church, big white church big banner that says we believe black lives matter and we have been engaged for the past month in some really hard conversations from church members but also by community members who are deeply offended and very angry that we have put that banner up um, and one of the pieces i was talking to session about this and some of them were just really troubled and and I, I so appreciate that and they're worried for us right for their pastors for their staff people who are bearing the brunt mm -hmm. of this anger um, and some of them were just bemoaning the fact that these people don't get it, these people, right? Mm -hmm. And I was saying, you know, one of the key ideas for us mm -hmm. in faith formation is you don't start with where people are supposed to be, you start with where they are. Mm -hmm. so, so all we're doing is trying to engage them in conversation, help them know that they're being heard, and then help by the grace of God and hope that they can hear us as well. Um, because right. you don't start with where people are supposed to be, you start with where they are right now. That right. principle right now in terms of race and justice and righteousness in this country, but in terms of how you're forming faith in the pandemic, that's absolutely crucial. I'm reminding my teachers and leaders over and over again, you start with where the person is. In order to do that, you got to get to know them. And that's the hard part right now. Um, oh, yeah, because of the distance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And because so much of communication and knowing persons involves all of the body signals, etc. They say 70% of communication is nonverbal. Right. 70%. Right. right. So, so this helps. Um, Zoom calls, etc. Google Meets, um, Microsoft Teams helps. But what's interesting is I just saw a piece from neuroscience and they're trying to get some beginning mm -hmm. ideas about what this is doing to mm -hmm. us 
And one piece, we know this, right? The brain rewires itself to accommodate new ways of learning, mm -hmm. new ways, new experiences, um, whole dissonance, right? Consonance issue, right? What's interesting is some of the neuroscience is saying one of the reasons why so many of us are exhausted after these Zoom calls and Google Meet and Microsoft Teams is we're, we're not, our brains aren't used to seeing 25 faces right, yeah, right. in mm -hmm. the gallery view, right? Right. Um, in, and being seen. And yeah, being seen. Well, yeah. One, one woman said, I have not enjoyed looking at myself ever, and let alone to see me all the time is really horrible, right? Um, uh, by the way, I am wearing pants, but still, okay, um, the whole idea of seeing all these people, when you're in a small group, you look and you focus and you're aware other people are there, but you're really looking at the person who's talking or the person who's presenting, right. you're not looking right. all at once right. at 16 right. people in front of you. And the bra our brains are having to rewire to accommodate that. It's also exhausting. Um, mm -hmm. When you're a toddler and you're in a car, the reason why that little guy goes down or a little young woman goes down is their brains are filling up with images. And at a certain point, their brains are saying, okay, we're done. And the kid goes, it's just out, right? right? Crash. Um, yeah, and that same thing we think is happening in terms of people saying Zoom fatigue, that they're just exhausted because our brains aren't wired yet, perhaps, to look at all of these faces in front of us. Hmm. Um, so the principles of, of engagement, um, I'm using the word engagement a lot. And in, a, in this tech world, we've got to figure out how do we engage the learner? Mm -hmm. And that means more than just visually, that means in all the, the multiple senses, right? Mm -hmm. The multiple learning styles that educators know so well. Um, mm -hmm. So we're doing things right. hard, like, hard. I mean, Lib Caldwell, I mean, you know this. Um, I mean, she's known for sort of setting that room oh. up with the smells and the textures and all that. Yeah, it's hard to do that on a it screen. It is. Yeah. It is. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, we need, I remember you. At your next church, uh, and I remember this. I went to Disney. Okay, yes, Disney. Remember I until last year, it took a field hockey tournament <laughs> for me to go. But I went to one of those rides that where it has the multiple senses. It's maybe we're going to need to set up our houses with, <laughs> you know, nice. <laughs> so, um, so we have done that, right? We've asked, invited our persons to set the space, yeah, for worship, yeah, right? bread. Um, Mm -hmm. Exactly. One of our associates uh, for young adult ministry, Hallie Hoddle, is brilliant, and her major work is working with young adults, and she has encouraged them to set up a little space in their mm -hmm. apartment, in their condo, nice. that becomes sort of this worship space. And what's lovely is... It's not unlike, so when I was growing up in Honolulu um, and would come to California and visit my grandparents who were sort of Buddhist Christian, right? Um, they did the Christian thing. They went to church, but they also had in the corner. <laughs> they had a corner, right. They did, mm -hmm. of a little mm -hmm. candle and an ancestor, was a a Buddha, holy. right? Right, an orange, and it, it troubled my dad deeply, right, the Presbyterian <laughs> pastor. But mom was like, you know, Dick, just leave it alone because God is God and I'm sure it's okay. And I thought, you know, in some lovely ways, my mom was more interfaith than my father was. Um, but it's it's so. You, but that space is a constant reminder, That's awesome. right? a physical reminder. Yeah. Um, and uh, so Hallie encourages her young adults, um, and actually has distributed. Um, we did we did drive through, and we yeah. said, if you, want, if you want to come and get a candle, and you want to get a come right. Off, then come get it. And by, by, by and large, a lot of people did. It surprised us. That's a, gr I mean, you don't have to have Disney technology, right? Nope. I mean, our, our little church delivered a little packet with a, 
can't we usually light candles yep. i mean you're right it indicates a kind of holy space it's making me remember something you write about in the mentoring chapter i think around how important and you've I think Lib said Lib really says this, Lib Caldwell, around parents being really the first Christian educators, right? Absolutely. The way how serious the parents and family takes their faith. And this is a way, I mean, it's one of those things we probably don't want to give away is setting up that kind of prayer space. I mean, Absolutely. you don't just need prayer on Sunday, right? And you don't just need a sacred, you know, moment. I Absolutely. Mean, yeah. That's beautiful. I mean, that's, so, and it's so doable. I don't want to get rid of that. Is, it is <laughs> exactly. That's what, what you just said. Lee is perfect. You don't want to get rid of it. So if it's, if this is a disruption, right. Then on the yes. other side, we're going to keep those worship spaces right. and encourage those worship yes. spaces in our homes, our apartments, our condos, our living centers, because that's how the disruption has changed. So let me ask you, you mentioned earlier about kind of engaging larger, larger community and there being some tension uh, out there, dissidents, <laughs> what have you. And how do you, um, I just listened to a sermon by Mindy Douglas, who you may know. Mm, oh for, yeah. For the Montreat summer series. It was on yes. the parable of the sower. And I, she said, you know, it's not a parable about the ground, you know, <laughs> It's a parable about grace and generosity. Yes. We don't worry about where the seed gets spread. It's out there. You know, so so how do you engage, I'll, you know, just metaphorically, the hard ground yeah. out there, yeah. you know, right now? How do we, how can we be great? How can we engage right. in this moment? I mean, right. and, and I guess in a, from a congregational faith formation place, have that group that's, I saw y'all are doing small groups, probably. We are. It sounds like, I mean, is that where you kind of, you can debrief that and, and figure yes. out ideas. How do you talk to your next door neighbor with, you know, a different political sign out front than yours? <laughs> you know, that exactly. kind of thing. Is that, exactly. how does that happen? Very much so. So that's, that's the language, right? And we actually give language, right? Um, and the language is avoiding, of course, the second person, you, like, why do you think mm -hmm. that way? And how can mm -hmm. you be so stupid kind of thing? <laughs> Uh, but not helpful, right? But it's the posture. Thanks for pointing to me because. <laughs> well, come on, you're you're I, my partner. I get this way. I get this way. Um, it, it's it's the posture of humility. So it's yeah. the the first phrase we're teaching our adults is help me understand, mm -hmm. right? It's a lovely posture, mm -hmm. and to say hi, I just saw that sign. Um, so help me understand your perspective here. Just because you aren't revealing your own, you're just asking the question, right? Um, and I've had uh, our parents and grandparents and others say, um, it really has opened up conversations to them. And I said, and while you're asking that, you are constantly praying and saying, oh, Lord, open my heart, open my mind, open right. my ears that I may hear. Um, mm -hmm. Because that's you the can say that inside. Kind of absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, some mm -hmm. of the principles that we know about adult learning, right? Um, uh, we call adult learners just now learners. Um, this <laughs> is really hard. Is that is that if you hit where they're itching, bam, you have got it. Um, they're gonna they're gonna show up. Um, mm -hmm. oh, uh, um, uh, my colleague um, Beth Johnson. Um, uh, talks about when she went to First Presbyterian Church of Atlanta, and she was there to give a conversation about Jesus, the life of Jesus. Uh, Beth Johnson just retired. Brilliant, brilliant. Oh, brilliant. gosh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and, and delightful. Um, she, she came um, just as, oh, heck, come on, Lee, what was the name of that book? 
that came out and was made into a movie. It was it was in Paris and it was about Jesus and um, oh gosh. And he had a whether he had a child and the whole thing oh, with Lord. Mary. Remember that? Oh okay. my lord! Anyway, sorry, um, others on. <laughs> Facebook. Remember, <laughs> we'll get the answer. Brandon Perkins or somebody out there. Exactly. Dan no, no. <laughs> um, Tom Hanks was in the movie. Anyway, sorry. Um, so, so um, Beth shows up and she's talking about the life of Jesus. Not, and she's, this is a, you know, she's got this down. This is a good talk. Oh, this is a Dan Brown book. I That's think this it. Is a Dan Brown, a Dan book. Brown yeah, book. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, and she shows up and she sees that there, like there are cars on peach trees, like, and she's thinking, yeah. wow, what's maybe the high museum, which is near door next door has something going on. She's like, wow, this is amazing. Cause she's thinking, you know, 15, 20 people will show up on this weekday yeah. evening. Yeah. She's looking around and she sees people walking into the fellowship hall and she's looking around thinking, I guess there's something else going on here. And <laughs> concert. Maybe. Yeah. First press, right? It's a big church. And then the associate pastor who invited her comes up and says, oh, Dr. Johnson, I'm so glad you're here. We've had to move into the fellowship hall. And she goes, for what? And they said, for your class. Because that was the moment that all these questions were being raised about, was yeah. it, could Mary actually have had a child by Jesus? Is this even right. possible, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Because yeah. she hit it. She hit that point yeah. for the just now learner they were asking that question. And if you get that, that's grace upon grace, right? Amen. But barring that just now moment, because those are hard to plan for. That's mm -hmm. an agility question um, when the question comes up. And so, right, when George Floyd was murdered, then mm -hmm. suddenly in that next three and a half days, we begin as staff to generate what, what should we do in response to this? That's our task as church leaders. But we notice about adults, right? Adults are driven um, in faith formation by a relationship so i've got classes that don't care what we're studying and don't care who's presenting but they're there because they love the other people in this class those, those exactly. are my people exactly exactly <laughs> um i've got a class that doesn't care who else is in the class in fact they're odd because i walk in and they're, they're not talking to each other i'm thinking don't you all just want to say hello to each other but they're there because they love the topic. The topic drives it, right? Mm -hmm. They're in intrigued by whatever the subject is for that class. And then I've got a group of people who are mm. following. Um, our retired pastor here is Dwight Taney, who is much beloved and a brilliant man and really does some phenomenal archaeology and anthropology of the Bible. And, and I've got, I call them the Taneyites because whenever Dwight teaches, this they're going to show up, right? Yeah. So, so in faith formation for adults, we know this. There are people who are committed to the people in the class, the relationships there. Mm -hmm. There are people who are committed to the topic. They're driven because they want to know more about this. Um, there are people who are driven by the teacher, the teacher's leadership. Mm -hmm. They'll take whatever she or he is teaching because they trust them and they're enlightened right. by them. Right. Um, so if we know that to be true, then in this pandemic period, we've got, so I'm working on my fall schedule and I'm making sure that I've got some of my classic teachers. I've, been, I've coached two of them to come out of retirement and say, I need you to teach this Yeah, because they're going to, that's going to be comforting. Exactly. And that's going to make people, it's, it's getting people to show up. Exactly. <laughs> Online, just because everything's gone online for us for the right. fall. They'll come because they see Dwight Taney is teaching. And I love yeah. that, right? Yeah. Um, I've also appealed to several of my groups that I know are really tight and care for each other. And I've said, whatever you want, give me the time frame and we'll provide a class for you because Amen. we want to give a chance for you to meet. Um, and they've left at that opportunity because they miss each other so much. 
Um, and then I've got a lesser to a lesser degree, but I'm throwing some key topics out there. Like mm -hmm. um, I've got one of our sociologists working on a class on systemic racism. Great. He's, he's a white guy. He's super sharp. Hot, timely stuff. Now, I mean, yeah, now kind yeah, of question. That's it, right? It's the topic, right? Mm -hmm. And the fact that um, a white guy um, is going to teach it, I'm intrigued and I'm sort of hopeful that some of our white folks who may right. be more threatened, and, and I don't blame them. They don't want to feel guilty. They're tired of feeling guilty. But the fact that this teacher is going to be teaching systemic racism, I'm hopeful there's some good possibilities there. So thinking about, again, that community of people, the topic, and the instructor, the teacher, those things are not changing for us, but we're giving them new emphasis. So Rebecca Malozzi is asking that it, that it is, uh, 2020 is response-based is how she put it. I mean, well it's trying said. to be more response-based. Well how, how do we respond to the next thing? And I think that's, that's a really helpful way um, in, in a way that it doesn't get old. I mean, sometimes these are topics you've talked about before, but you talk about them in a new way. I think you, you, you're reading new things, like yeah. you showed us earlier, I guess, is yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. helpful. You know, it makes me think, um, and I can't believe our time is, is coming to a close. We could talk <laughs> a lot longer. Marcia Riggs, your former colleague at Columbia, is going to be with me in two weeks. Oh, I She's love it. Christian womanist. You know, and uh, Tracy West and some other womanists have really talked about kind of the Christian ethic of disruption. It's making me think I'm going to ask her some more about that. And because I think that is a really helpful way to frame this. Is This, this is, is not, not an interruption. No, it's not, it's not an interruption. I want to, I want to get a metaphor. It's not just a pause. This is like a, it's like putting in a whole new, in a way, is it putting in a whole new track? What is, what is the metaphor, Roger? I'm trying to think how can I, am I going to remember this? I, I think your language is nice. It's not a pause. It's a redirection. It's, it's a, a redirection. Yep, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Different. We're not just stopping on the road. Yep. We're making a turn. Exactly. Yeah, we're making a turn and a shift. Exactly. I'm not ignoring where we've been. No, um, can't. Figuring out, figuring out a way forward. And, Absolutely. And I like, you know, those principles that you're bringing around relationship-based yep. stuff, yep. topic, timely topic, I'll and say, teachers, and, individual instructors. And, and trusted, I'll call it trusted teachers. That's, that's important. You know, um, and sometimes that's, you know, small church, that could just be the pastor preaching each week. Oh, absolutely. Trusted, right. If you can find ways to incorporate those things into what you're doing. Absolutely. You can make a real big difference. And, um, and I love that you talk about disruption as challenging us, yeah. you know, <laughs> everybody. Uh, and I know a lot of pastors, a lot, that's a lot of people who are watching, uh, Christy Ray, Terry, oh. uh, saying hello, Dee Dee Kelso. Um, oh. Thanks for being here. So Ann Debert, one of your friends, probably. Oh my here gosh. In Louisville. Oh, Ann Central. I love that. <laughs> no, no Juarez. Um, oh golly! Rerouting. No says talked about the metaphor of rerouting. That's another ooh, way to think about ooh, it. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I like that. That's nice. Um, I'm wondering um, as we're going if there may be a charge to these people, leaders that you just heard, and mm. others, and blessing that you might offer them along mm. this way. Oh, nice um, to remember. Um, I th that would be much appreciated. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, Lee, thank you so much. It's been a privilege to be in conversation with you. I'm grateful for you and your ministry and the way you're enabling these conversations to happen. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so um, as I'm, 
I'm, I'm preaching actually a series right now on being the church, right? And using Second Corinthians passages um, that you are the letters of Christ um, and you are um, treasure in Jay, uh, uh, clay jars and, and that you are the new creation, right? All things are made new. And so I've had a couple of my um, uh, staff people who've heard me work on this sermon series ask, are you worried about the church? And my answer mm. Yeah, my answer is no, because we're not, uh, we are not our church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we will be the church of Jesus Christ as long as the God of the universe, as long as the Holy Spirit, as long as she decides that we are going to be the church. So no, I'm not worried about us. There are times when I'm anxious, but I'm not <laughs> worried because we are the church of Jesus Christ. And we will be that as long as God decides that we will be. And as God, long as God decides that we will be that church, God will not abandon us. This God will sustain us as God has done through these nearly 2,000 years. And I trust until Christ comes again. So I'm grateful. Amen. And grateful. Yeah. Amen. So blessings well, be upon you, sisters and brothers. Thank, thank you. Yes. Much. Uh, one of my closest, well, actually in my doctor ministry cohort at McCormick, uh, yeah. the council leader, Dan Saperstein, oh, yeah. uh, has been with us and, and talking about a surprise, surprise. This is helpful, what you've shared in terms of governance situations, like in mm. a session meeting, in a, in a oh. council meeting. I mean, these are things you're not just to do in a Sunday school setting, right? I mean, education doesn't just happen there. And, yeah, thank and, you. Thank you. And, um, thanks for that charge and that blessing because I think we need it. It's not just, and, and you're such a good listener to what the Holy Spirit is up to, Roger, oh, let me just say. And for me and for others, I think we're grateful. You do the research, uh, mm. uh, yes, and you do the reading, but there's something that you hear. I think Mr. Uemoto really did, uh, <laughs> he knew something back when you were a senior. Um, in high school that obviously has and helped nurture that and others and is, is just blossoming in beautiful ways that is oh, a real gift to the body of Christ. It really true. And you can tell you love the body of Christ, the church. And thank you, um, thank you for, for all that you do and um, blessings on you.